0: This week on the Vergecast, Alex Kranz and Heim Gartenberg join us to talk about earnings from Apple, Google, Microsoft, Samsung, Amazon, and more. We go into what is happening at Intel. We talk about the Huawei P50, and we end with a little bit on Dish Network and T Mobile. That's coming up on the Vergecast
1: now. Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve wracking. So why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com designed for work.
2: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast.
0: podcast of audio huddles. <laughs> I should really make Slack pay me for that. That's Anyway, I'm here. I'm Neil. I'm your friend. Dieter Bone is here. I'm uh, your EBITDA. Oh, yeah. you're, you're generally accepted accounting principles. <laughs> Dieter <Bone. laughs> Alex Kranz is here.
3: I am neither of those things, but I enjoy them. I don't know.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who doesn't enjoy accounting? And Heim Gartenberg is here. Hello. Well, there's a lot going on this week. Uh, every big tech company had earnings. They're doing fine. Mm. They're going to they're gonna make it one more quarter, guys. There's some rumors. There's some earbuds. There's just a lot to talk about. But I want to start where we always start, which is the pandemic. Still the biggest story in the world. Uh, and it's back, everybody. Yay. Aren't you excited? I feel bad for Delta Airlines, which currently has the worst branding in all of... All of industry.
5: Yeah, but they did. They did extend everybody's status for another year. They're just like, screw it. You can, you can have it for another year.
0: I didn't know that. And that's where the broadcast is done. Everybody. That's the most important news of the week. <laughs> I was so sad about my status going away. I'm good. I mean, I got it. Maybe, maybe you
6: didn't. I don't know. Uh, is Delta status a thing to brag about?
0: No, no it's trivially <laughs> easy to get.
5: The only thing worse is United status.
0: <laughs> well, the one thing about. De- Already off the rails. The one thing about Delta status is that if you live in New York City, you can make your entire personality Delta status, and then go out and wander like the bars of New York City, finding other people with that personality. (laughs) And you're like, "Here's how I got silver medallion," and someone's like, "Oh, I got gold this way." And you're like, "How am I having a whole conversation?" about Hang fake on. airline money.
5: Wait a minute. I, I wouldn't even bother talking to somebody with gold or silver. That's not even worth my time.
0: <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just a real thing you can do in New York. And I've done it more than <laughs> once, which I'm like, if you, if you saw me, you would notice I'm embarrassed by this. It's like a wave of embarrassment is washing over me. Anyhow, Delta variant, however, is rising. It's taking over. The CDC has reinstituted mask recommendations for some unvaccinated people in some areas. It is very confusing. Feels like the recommendation should be to just wear a mask. And then, on top of that, big companies that were planning full on return to offices are now caught in a pickle because Delta is rising across the country. So, Google is now going to require employees to be vaccinated. Facebook will require U.S. office employees to be vaccinated. Netflix is going to mandate vaccinations in all productions in the United States. I feel like I have to issue this disclosure. We are currently making a Netflix production. so like the other thing I do when I'm not doing this. And Apple is going to require masks in its U.S. stores. Apple also has a strange policy. Zoe Schiffer reported this yesterday. Yeah. If you don't tell Apple you're vaccinated, they will assume you are not. And they will put you into a different protocol as they return to work. Well, they may. A bunch, of, a bunch of companies, especially big tech
5: companies, like, you know what? Get vac- if you, if you, you have to get vaccinated to come to the office. Whenever we figure out when we're opening up, you have to be vaccinated. If you're not, you have to mask or you're not coming to the office. Apple's um, internal HR site, according to Zoe, is if you don't provide your vaccination status, your vaccination status is assumed to be unvaccinated. Okay. If you're not fully vaccinated working on site in an Apple building, additional health and safety protocols may apply. Yeah. That may is like an out.
0: You know, like
3: it's doing a lot of work.
0: Yeah. A lot of like major Supreme Court opinions are like premised on the difference between May and Shell. Right. And like the May is the out. It's like, I don't know. I I think you can read it as Apple will do this. Right. But if you're really nice to them, maybe they don't. <laughs> so we'll see. I I would expect Apple of all companies is, you know, the most energetic about coming to the office. It seems like they're going to mandate vaccines soon to be back in that office, but we'll see. And if you if you are listening, you know, tell Zoe because she is trying to report that out. So just a lot going on with Delta and masks. We have a story, this headline speaks for itself. Communication around masks is still terrible. Like, we're just like, we're not doing a great job and we need to get vaccine numbers up. And so it goes. But Delta, it's here. It's like, we, we thought it was over, didn't you? Early summer, June, you're like, hmm. So we'll see. But the good news is, hospitalizations and deaths are down because of the vaccines. Overall, the vaccines are still effective against Delta. It's just very communicable.
5: You thought it was hot vac summer. Unfortunately, it's
0: not VAX summer.
3: Hot mask summer.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> I will say we have another story. There was a study, you know, the vaccines have been out for a while. The Pfizer vaccine is still, still protects you against severe disease after six months. There's a lot of data about that now, obviously. So that's good news. Second order effects, we always talk about these with the pandemic, the common cold is back because everyone just like went outside again. I will tell you, I have a cold and I look like, panicked. Like we like went and saw some friends. Our kids played together. Kids, the second other like little kids see each other, they get colds. Like it's like at visual range. They just like give each other colds. And then Max like sneezed in my face and like immediately had a cold. And like yesterday I was like, crap, do I have cold." It's like got a COVID test. And it's like just a cold, but the common cold is back. Like I, everybody I know has a cold, which is super interesting just from a, sort of public health statistics perspective. And then this is like a 13th order effect. All the people who are out in the ocean doing measurements of ocean temperatures in the ocean biome came back. So our ability to to see what is happening in the ocean has like completely dwindled. We have a great story about that on the site uh, and how we might be able to get that back. And the autonomous systems that have been deployed to replace our ocean sensors because the people aren't on ships anymore. There's like a quote in the story that's like, "We were out for like a long-term thing, and we came an ex- express steam cruiser back home the second COVID hit." Hmm. Um, so they're like they're building all this technology to, to measure the ocean, which I think is neat. Last thing before we get into it, uh, we have a package that we internally have been calling Teen Verge all week. It's just it's actually called NextGen. It's on the site. We had a bunch of younger writers tell us about their experiences with technology, with, with uh, software. We've written, we're have we starting to write about that stuff more. It's a really cool package with incredible art. Just um, incredible also, art. It's some of the best art we've ever done. Really eye-opening perspective on technology. Um, if you don't regularly hang out to young people uh, and talk to them about it. Okay. Which churnings which do I do first, Peter? I kind of put them
5: in the order I was thinking, but if you want to change that around. That was an inside the show question. Oh, so That was me segueing
0: to you. Okay. Can we do it again. Yeah, all right. What earnings do you want to do first, Peter?
5: Well, I mean, we should start with Apple. It, it was just, just big. Just every time Apple has a big quarter, we're all just like, money. Apple makes so much money. Whoo, boy! Hard to tell how how Apple how much money Apple makes. You can't even like put it into human <laughs> context. This is one of those quarters. the The story to me is there's a few stories, but one just like iPhone sales are up 50. percent mm-hmm. This iPhone 12 is very popular, and I personally think it's because it's a nicer design than the iPhone 10 based design. People it's are sick pur- of that
0: design.
6: It's the purple one.
5: Like it. It could be the purple one. Everyone's just going to be, oh, it's because 5G. Everyone, everyone just really wanted 5G. I know that like, some companies—I don't know if Apple's internal there, but like, other companies have told me like, when they do consumer surveys, those surveys somehow tell them that consumers want 5G. So they have like created this demand— and now they are fulfilling it. And now the story that all of mobile, the mobile industry is telling themselves is 5G is a success because it's selling tons of phones and hooray.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's true. They did a lot of marketing. Yeah. People got confused. <laughs> People think the vaccine gives you 5G. Like yeah. the 5G marketing was a, a success across many dimensions, I would say. Have you seen the 5G horse flyer? Because that's like my favorite. No. I think it's a joke. There's just a dumb flyer, like a picture of a flyer, and it's like five G horse sighted in backyard, <laughs> and it's like an ethereal horse. Like it's really dumb. This is what happens when we do this show in the morning. <laughs> I've, got t- I've got too much like dumb energy. So yeah, I I buy that all of the hype around five G created some demand for it, and if you gave people a list of reasons why they may have purchased a phone, mm-hmm. the thing they could not have before ranked higher than all of the other things. Do you like, did you buy it for a better camera? Do you buy it because of five? Like, I don't know. You can't.
3: I bought it because it's purple and you didn't have that like on the list.
0: Right. Exactly. So I'm doing 5G. It looks nicer. <laughs> that said, the 50% is incredible to me. I mean, Haim, you've been covering Apple earnings forever. That, that is like surprising even not in COVID, not in a iPhone 12 5G year. That's just a huge number.
6: It's a it's a huge number, and it's especially a huge number for Q3 or wh- whatever quarter Apple calls this one the the June quarter over here, because this is typically the oh, there's new iPhones coming out in two three months. I'm gonna wait. Like this is when yeah. like you know carriers are like literally giving away the phones because they're trying to clear stock on like the old models before they h- start hyping up the new ones. So. The fact that they're up this much now is really
0: impressive. Well, so there are a ton. And this is kind of that 5G, like back and forth, right? Like AT&T will just, if you like open the AT&T website and you're an AT&T customer, they're like, do you want a phone? Any phone you want, it's free. Just take it away from us. Like they will aggressively run promotions to get you onto their 5G network and give you a 5G phone, especially with an iPhone.
6: Yeah. So um, there is
0: a little bit of that like discounting promotional stuff going on that might be driving these sales. And it might be good for Apple because their business is taking money out of every button that you buy on the iPhone. <laughs> so, like, I, you know, I, I think we're used to, I'm curious for your perspective on this. I We're used to like, like the two year boom and bust cycle, right? You get the phone, you're, everyone gets a phone at the same time. You were historically on the regular cycle or the S cycle with the iPhone, right? And then the contract would come and there'd be another spike in sales here. It's like, because of all the promotions, because of 5G, like that cycle is very clearly broken and Apple doesn't seem to care if the phone is discounted immediately because they're trying to make all the services revenue.
6: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like a big, a big key part of this is, is iPhones in pockets are iPhones that can buy Apple TV plus subscriptions, but will they, (laughs) that's a different question, but that's, that's revenue that goes much farther than the purchase of the phone, it's, it's almost like a return to, like, the, the carrier subsidization model, but on the other side where, like, before AT&T would just, like, pay for nine-tenths of your phone because they'd lock you into a couple of years of paying for overpriced cell service. This is like, we will give you the phone somehow, and then you'll pay for the cell service, but also pay for for all the other stuff.
0: I mean, this is Dieter's whole argument about Apple turning into a carrier, right? Like, if, as long as they get the hardware into your hand, they know they're going to make money in all these other places.
6: Yeah. I mean it looks like they're they're making money on the hardware too, judging judging by the, yeah, that's the true.
0: earnings. <laughs> yeah.
6: They're they're <laughs> not doing badly on that front either.
5: But. Actually we should talk about the other places. So Apple breaks down its revenue, its sales into iPhone, Mac, iPad, wearables, home and accessories is all one category. And then services. So you know, iPhone huge jump, you know, up across the board, whatever. But wearables, home and accessories edged out iPad and Mac made more money there. And that was half of what they are pulling it in services. So like in order of it's, it's iPhone hardware money. And then the next one about half as much is services. And then everything else is about half as much as that all grouped together, but wearables, home and accessories just edged out. And if you look at like, I look at Uh, Wearables, home, and accessories, and services as basically the money that Apple can extract out of iPhone users, either by selling you AirPods or by selling you services. That's not totally fair because, like, an Apple TV is not necessarily just a you know iPhone accessory. But and neither is like a HomePod Mini. Although I, I don't know, Do, are, is anybody buying a HomePod Mini who doesn't have an iPhone?
3: I have two. I bought them like immediately. I love my HomePod Mini. <laughs> I'm, I'm the reason. I'm the reason here.
0: Tim Cook is like, get crans. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> he did it, nailed it, and won. But. Like, why? What about wearables? Because, because we had this whole conversation all of last year and into this year about wearables and about like this potential magic ability to detect COVID and and other diseases, and that was a huge part of the conversation. And now we're seeing that like wearables, which is a big part of that that chunk sold, and like the Apple Watch is the best selling wearable out there, and they all kind of saw their I think their numbers tick up this year. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I wonder how much of that was also these watches.
0: Yeah, I just think that. The total market for wearables, home, and accessories is the size of the iPhone market. Yeah. yeah. Right I guess these numbers are big enough that statistically there's some Android user out there with HomePod minis.
3: That, that's not me. That wasn't me.
0: <laughs> but, like, you can't have an Apple Watch without an iPhone. Right. Right? So you, yeah. And the other ones are so closely tied to it. So however big the market for the iPhone is, mm-hmm. the market for wearables is some percentage of that. Yeah. yeah. However yeah. big the market for the iPhone is, the market for services is some percentage of that. With a multiplier that Apple can monkey with, because they can be like, now iCloud costs $2.99 or whatever, and they just like turn on more money from you. Yeah. The market for the Mac and the iPad and all the other stuff does not have that just sort of direct relationship to the size of the iPhone market. So you can see where they're going. They're making the iPhone market bigger. They're selling more iPhone stuff. And they're happy to invest in the other things. But even at whatever percentage of the size the iPhone market is, it's still a gigantic market. Mm-hmm. So there's just more people with iPhones to sell things to. Whereas like I don't I don't think of a Mac as an accessory to an iPhone and Macs are very expensive.
6: iPhones are pretty expensive too.
0: Yeah, but did you see that chart that was floating around that's like AirPods by themselves are a bigger business than like Netflix?
6: I did not see that chart, but it's it's a hard chart to work with cuz Apple doesn't release hard numbers for any of this stuff anymore, which is incredibly frustrating.
0: Yeah, uh, people argued about this chart for the reason that you are describing. But the Netflix's business is like a $7 billion business. Right. So depending on what you think the biggest chunk of wearables revenue is, if you believe it's AirPods, you're like, oh, that's the whole business. Yeah. Which
6: is a lot to say about AirPods and a lot to say about the iPhone. Um, this is, by the way, not to derail this with the USB-C rant, this is why the iPhone oh is never getting USB-C. <laughs> and why the does it need iP- it? It's, no, it's why the iPhone doesn't, but why the iPad does. Because the iPhone market is too big and too important to let anyone mess with that without explicit permission.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Or explicit tax collection.
6: Yeah. yeah. And, and rant, mini rant over.
0: I just want to end this Apple section by calling out Elon Musk for being the only CEO in the world who will say on his own earnings call for Tesla, it is not our goal to create a walled garden And to use that to bludgeon our competitors, which is used by some companies, and then to literally do the cough take and say Apple. He was like, Apple. (laughs) (laughs) On his own earnings call. Amazing. You can say what you want about Elon, and everybody will. That was hilarious. Like, (laughs) just the funniest thing I've ever (laughs) heard. Okay. Other companies also doing well. Google and YouTube are just, the ad dollars are moving away from TV and moving towards the digital platforms which everyone said would happen 10 years ago and it's definitely happening now. Yeah. Well, there's been a lot of dunking on Netflix.
5: Like uh YouTube's revenue is like almost as much as Netflix's entire company. Yeah. Apparently. The thing I wonder about especially with the ad money is is the big jump this quarter just, you know, everyone thought COVID was over and the economy's back and like it's time to like turn on the the ad dollars and start making money again and uh so because Google, Facebook, Amazon have such a huge portion of the online ad market that they just are the beneficiaries of it? Or is it like, I don't know, in particular, did more money happen to go to like Google, especially because like everyone knows that Google will figure out how to make ads work, whether or not people turn off
0: app tracking on the iPhone. I think it's both. Yeah. Right. Like the the story of the pandemic is everyone started shopping more from home, which made Online advertising more valuable because it has this known return. Like, this is my, I constantly joke that Instagram ads sucker me every time. But this is the, this is like the whole underlying argument of Facebook and small business and cookies and blah, 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 is if you are a tiny inventor and you've invented a marginally better car mount, the cheapest way to acquire me as a customer is online advertising. It's not billboards or Olympics advertising or targeted cable advertising or whatever. Google is like, Right at the bottom of that funnel, right? You search for car mount and Google's like, here's a car mount, And like people, people are going to buy those ads left and right. And if you have, if you're a traditional TV advertiser and you know people are watching less TV and cord cutting continues unabated, where are you going to put your beautiful TV ads? You're just going to put them on YouTube. Yeah. And that's like the other side of this puzzle. And
5: you're certainly not going to put them on Peacock.
0: <laughs> <laughs> The fact that Peacock has a tier that you can pay for that still has ads—I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know what they're thinking over there. But yeah, you just look at these numbers, and I, we spent the last few weeks on the show complaining about Google and it's going slow and it's like feels kind of stuck. And then you look at these numbers and you're like, oh, they're doing—they're fine. Yeah, they're stuck because they can't get through all the money. <laughs> it's like it's gumming up the engine. It's like blocking the tires. Yeah, we've got this. Um, we got this tweet in our Google earnings story. In 2010, Google's second quarter revenue was 6.8 billion. In 2021, it was 61.9. Yeah. Wow. You go back one year, it was 38.3. Like it, like it's close to doubling, right, from, from one year ago. This is going to sound like I am like
5: I'm a freshman who just read his first Karl Marx essay, but oh boy. I understand that the economy is not a zero sum game and that everything like the pie can grow overall. But if you just step way back and be like. Is sh- should we be pursuing antitrust right now? The massive profits that these companies like th- this 10x in a decade or whatever. Is it possible that we would be doing better if some amount of that revenue was split up amongst more than five companies?
6: Yes. Yep. Yeah.
5: That's not. Fr- that's. I mean. I, I'm like a diehard capitalist. I say that on the show every week. <laughs> right. But I'm just. I'm just saying. Like. Oh man, big tech made a shit ton of money this quarter. Maybe that money should have gone elsewhere. Just at the on the face of it, it's like, well, why, what, do you, what do you mean? They, they, they worked hard. They, they built businesses. They should make money. But there is like, I don't know.
3: Yeah, who's? I guess it's like who's losing out on that money?
5: <laughs> well, that's the thing. We don't know because they, they weren't able to exist because uh, <laughs> Apple captured the entire iPhone accessory and yeah. services market.
0: <laughs> I think a, a less existential way of saying this, okay. which is difficult for the Vergecast, because we tend to veer into existential as fast as we can. And RCS, but yeah. 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 Guess what Google isn't investing in? <laughs> Google is, their business is being a middleman, right? Mm-hmm. They don't like to think of it that way. And I'm sure people will tweet and email me for calling them that because the, what the internet is supposed to do is disintermediate you. Google makes its money getting in the way of what you want from them, search results, and placing advertising from other companies. And there isn't another competitor to that ad market. That's what all the antitrust pressure on Google really comes down to, mm-hmm. right? It's all that's the suits from the state's attorney generals here. The state's attorneys general here in the United States is the ad market. The EU is the ad market, and like mm-hmm. the order of Google search results, it's Google being a middleman, right? You go to Google, and you're supposed to go somewhere else. You go to Google, and you want something, and they show you an ad for something else, and so that middleman profit is historically the thing that the internet, internet disintermediates. And because they are such a monopoly, it is impossible to disintermediate Google from advertising on the internet. Yep. Right. That's like just a problem. Like you can and you can see that their ability to collect that tax is going higher and higher and higher. Right? The ad dollars want to move from T V. There's a lot of shopping going on online. Where are you gonna spend it? You're gonna spend it with Google and Facebook. You're not spending it with Netflix. That's why I keep dunking on Netflix. Like <laughs> you can't give Netflix more money. They can just they they can just run out of people to charge. Right. Whereas Google can collect more taxes with Apple, this is Apple's antitrust problem, right? They're a toll collector for a huge amount of economic activity on the phone, mm-hmm. and that's why they're so invested in services. Because as Haim has written, wow, five thousand times now, like the biggest chunk of services revenue is like whales and Candy Crush, mm-hmm. right? Like, should they be a tax collector of that size? Like, probably not. And I, I the second order, like what innovation didn't we see, right? It's like, it feels farther down the list to me than just saying like, yeah, look at these numbers. They, they just sit between people and what they want. Yeah. And they charge a toll for every one of those transactions. And that seems really problematic.
5: I mean, I guess I should say, disclosure, we are part of a media company that makes its money <laughs> on advertising and has its own <laughs> advertising product. And so there's a little piece of this. It's like, our company might be worth more if we weren't just picking up the crumbs of whatever people are just giving to Google by default.
3: Right. I mean, like Google took over where media traditionally existed. Those are the dollars it took, right? It took the dollars from TV. It took the dollars from newspapers. It took the dollar from digital media companies. And now it's it's just very happy with that. And it's also taking the dollars from all these other places too, besides just this big chunk that all of media lost,
0: yeah, but like if they take all the dollars from TV, right, which is you want to make the big argument about cord cutting and the TV ad market and YouTube, like now they're starting to take the dollars away from TV advertising. Mm-hmm. It isn't, regardless of how you feel about cable news, <laughs> it is probably good that there are multiple cable news channels, right? Right? Instead of like one algorithmically driven cable news channel, which is YouTube. If you coalesce all that money into YouTube, like YouTube has too much power. Yeah. So like, I, I don't know, like I look at these numbers. It's great. These companies are doing well. You can, you can see the A to B consequence, like the pandemic happened. People started shopping from home. They yep. bought more technology. The money followed suit. Oh, that makes yep. sense. Should they be toll collectors of the size? Like I have no idea. Uh, Facebook had earnings too. Their earnings are also up And like, Mark Zuckerberg spent the entire time talking about the metaverse and not advertising. And you can tell he's like bored with his monopoly business, <laughs> like advertising. And he was like, what if I did the metaverse? Like there's a part of this business that is unseemly. Like they don't want to talk about it. They want to talk about consumer innovation, but it's their business. And I think there's a reason in particular you see Google get distracted from the products we wish they would invest in because at the end of the day, they have to tend to the money and the money is out of control. Some more to get through. Time, do you want to walk us through Microsoft and Samsung?
6: Uh, Yeah. Uh, Microsoft uh, also made money, to the surprise of no one. (laughs) Revenue was up 21%. They made a boatload of money. You can look up the numbers. The interesting thing with Microsoft is that a lot of that was with... Actually, it's not that interesting. It was exactly as expected, which is a lot of it was from their cloud and office services, which were up. uh, And then they experienced a hit from the global chip shortage uh, and, like... You know, Surface and Surface revenue was down because you know you can't sell computers and you can't sell Windows licenses to OEMs if they can't sell computers which need chips.
5: Also, it's been a hot minute since there's been an interesting Surface computer.
6: Yeah, right. That's true. Uh,
5: maybe they they just they're taking a break because they're 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 just thinking about the Surface Duo in their hearts. They're just like <laughs> pondering it. There is was that leak this week. Yeah, there was the leak this week that there's going to be a, a new Surface Duo. They're going to they're going to give. Another, I have many feelings about the new Surface Duo, um, <laughs> but you know the the Surface Pro, the main like the the Surface that we all think of. It still has the big bezels and the design design has been updated in forever. We're going to get into Intel and its problems in a minute, <laughs> but you know the Surface Pro X uh, is there the prettiest Surface. It no one wants to buy it because the ARM and Windows is bad. They haven't done anything that's like, oh, man, the Surface is, like, a big deal if we, we care about it. If I were to go out and buy a PC today, Surface is not on, like, the, the list of things that I'm thinking of first right now.
6: It's Acer, Asus, Razer. It feels like they're doing, like, some soul searching. Like, there's going to probably be a Windows ARM equivalent of Apple's M1 stuff at some point or or Kay. a Windows... Some, sure. some, I love
3: this optimism.
6: Qualcomm's gonna make it possible. Right? I don't know who's gonna make it, but <laughs> okay. I, I am optimistically assuming that someone will figure out what Apple has done here. Like, it cannot be some sort of magic thing that only the great minds of Cupertino are able to figure out. Like, it took Android some time too, and it still needs four times the RAM, but they got there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so, like someone will figure this out. I think Microsoft. Very much wants to be that someone, and that was the whole Surface X stuff. And I think they're they're just doing some soul searching and figuring out how to actually make that
0: work. Yeah, well, their soul searching is they told us the future was dual screens. Yeah, and then all that got blown <laughs> up. Yeah, and then they're like rethink. Like, you know, Nadella was on Decoder, and he's like, Windows is a platform for a platform. Like, they've pivoted Windows. Like, they're they're just like. I think they're changing their relationship to that stuff, and they don't have a Surface Neo. That was the big two Neo. screen. That one. was a, yeah, yeah. And that thing just got shelved, and they kind of pivoted Windows. Yeah. See, so yeah, I would say it's soul searching, but we kind of know what it looks like, right?
6: Yeah, I guess just not th- what the hardware looks like. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. Uh,
5: Xbox is doing fine. It's just not doing as well as PlayStation, which everyone could have predicted
0: that. Yeah, but we also can't sell.
6: Anything. I was about yeah. to say it's. Xbox is doing exactly as well as the number of consoles they have physically been able to manufacture.
0: <laughs> I had the moment this week because, you know, Flight Simulator came out for the Xbox. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to buy an Xbox. And, you know, like you just have that like, oh, here's the reason I was going to buy the thing. I'm going to like open the web browser and buy the thing. And I was like, oh, wait, what am I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> That's not how that works anymore. Now I'm going to engage a network of scalpers and thieves yeah. to see <laughs> like robots to see if I can get one of these things.
5: I mean, I'm going to buy a play date, and I'm, it's, uh, I can't wait to get it in 2024 or whatever the queue looks like these days. That thing looks so cool. Okay. Uh,
0: Samsung. Uh,
6: Samsung also made money, uh, if you're <laughs> noting. <laughs> There's a trend here. <laughs> it's a good time to be selling selling tech stuff. Uh, they made money. They noted that there were you know component shortages, which is the same story we've seen for for a lot of these companies. They are starting to take more material hits on these. I think we're going to see more of that coming up in in the next quarter, especially with the new stuff coming up. Apple's already started to be like, you know, we might have issues with supply, Microsoft has said. Uh, AMD's like, you know, we're doing our best. Uh, and, yeah, Samsung also, like, started teasing slash Outlight, just saying, oh, we're going to have more foldables in, like, a week. In the, in the worst-kept secret since the last Samsung announcement. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
5: No, they they basically announced the phones in a letter, a, a blog post, and then they mention it again here. Wasn't yeah. the line that they're going to make it like more mainstream? Yeah,
6: mainstreaming main- the foldable category and solidifying its leadership in the premium smartphone segment. The,
5: the, the, that's a contradictory statement. <laughs> if you're going to mainstream it, it needs to not just be the premium smartphone segment. You, there need the the flip needs to be
0: like eight hundred bucks. That's that. hilarious. Like. That used to be a very expensive phone. I know. Yeah. I know. I would just say, let's just pause for a minute and just react to using mainstreaming as a verb. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. What's going on there? Mainstreaming the foldable category is just, like, can you imagine going to work as, like, a, a Samsung junior marketing associate and being like, I'm inspired by that phrase? Like, it's just not a vision. <laughs> like... Everyone is gonna have these phones, right? Eventually all the phones are gonna fold.
6: Eventually. Or they will fade away into the memory pit of of bad tech ideas like like the 3D phones
0: or
5: are, are folding phones are they three D are they curved or are they we already tried curved
0: phones. We that tried curved. Anywhere. Yeah. I think all the phones are gonna fold eventually. This I fully believe it. Like just like the you know how like the metaverse came out of nowhere because mm-hmm. because the <laughs> Oculus Quest II exists. Mm-hmm. And so now like a bunch of tech executives can be like, oh, I get it. Like it's not anywhere close, but it's a sci- it's a sci fi vision. It's a product that people can see yeah. and like understand in a way that 3D phones or whatever was were nonsense. Like this is a thing from movies. You have a small screen that folds into a big screen.
6: So our holograms, like sometimes the technology just isn't there. Like these are not there's there's not a lot of good ways to make like a durable thing that folds that doesn't like disintegrate. After a year or two of use.
5: The Wall Street Journal had an amazing article about, you know, bendable OLED screen technology. And they had a, they had a prototype that was a, a tube. And then the, the phone would roll out from the tube, you know? Mm-hmm. Like a, I don't know. I'm, you, it, if you could see me, you'd, I'm, like, pulling a phone out. It's like a scroll. Um, yeah. And, like, you know, bendable screens and, like, semi-transparent and, like, very, very cool. Like, the technology exists. And people could probably start making this
0: stuff. By the way, this article was from 2001. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying if Samsung is getting to the place where they're using mainstreaming as a verb. Yeah. What they I think what they're actually suggesting is a remarkable disregard for the conventions of the English language, first of all, which <laughs> yeah. bold. I appreciate you. And second, they know it's about to happen. Like it's about to flip. Right. Like that's a big promise to make to your investors, especially ahead of an event where you have a bunch of products coming out. And I think it should be obvious that Samsung is they also. White label displays, mm-hmm. especially right. OLED displays. So I think they know that their display division is ready to ramp scale on a product that, to Haim's point, like can survive. Yeah, right? it's just this is just ready to be a component that Samsung sells, and that means everyone's going to have them. Once that happens, it's you know it's the same as with anything. Once once the form factor settles down, what is most important the software, and then Samsung's right back where it started.
3: But. Aren't they going to, are they still going to be delicate like the current ones are? Because the current ones are like even more delicate than the phones we have now. Like our phones are getting more and more and more and more delicate. And that feels like we're going backwards, even though I'm excited to fold something and fit it in my pocket.
6: Yeah. We are we are one generation out from the foldable that came with like an entire YouTube video detailing what not to do with this phone to like <laughs> Yeah. Handle <laughs> it with handle it with kid gloves like a newborn child.
0: Yeah, let's not forget Dieter's review of the first fold canceled <laughs> the product. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I'm just but this is this will be the third generation, right? Right. Yeah, this is 3. Yeah.
6: Yeah, so this is this is the third generation, but we are the one that we are currently on is is still one out and it still has issues. There was the whole video like going around a couple weeks ago of like the 6 month or the or the 9 months with with a Z Fold and it was like, yeah, it just crapped out one day and and now there's like this giant line in the middle of the screen.
3: Yeah, I just feel like the technology is still way far out and also that like I don't know, there's diminishing returns on the OLED. Like everybody's demanding so much more from their phones. They want a good picture, but they also want good battery life. They want it to like last longer than two days. And I feel like going super, super premium to something that you have to like coddle isn't going to actually do it for mainstream.
0: For mainstreaming.
3: Yeah, mainstreaming. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, Samson. <laughs> I didn't mean that.
0: I remain a folding enthusiast. I think it's clear that Heim is a folding pessimist. <laughs> Am I the only one here that's actually spent his
5: own personal money on folding phones because I've done it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Well Yeah, you've
0: been notably quiet. Well, I mean, I I, I returned them. <laughs> 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 I get text from like I I did it. <laughs> okay. Uh, the third generation of tech products is historically when they get good. Okay. Like yeah. If you just like look over the arc of time, right? It's like yeah. the third generation of any Microsoft product is the one where it gets good. Yeah. I'm yeah. willing to give them the benefit of doubt in this one.
3: We are hearing that like Apple is like. Looking at these devices, right? And Apple is is historically the one who finally figures it all out Mm -hmm. and makes people go, "Oh yeah, I would put this in my pocket." So, and
5: there's there's rumors that uh, Google's making a folding Pixel, and that's that's the one that's going to you know blow this market
3: (laughs) wide open.
0: Yeah, it's just it all the all this display stuff comes down to can one of two display companies make these things at scale? Right?
3: I'm I'm still holding out for e-ink here. I think you know they got the color this year. (laughs) We give it another ten years. (laughs) It's colors. gonna look. It's gonna look almost like a real thing. It's gonna be great. Data dream
5: crayons.
6: Color ink is also one of those ones where I think we could pull up an article from like two thousand one. Yeah. No, it, it
3: did totally change this year. They, hmm. They're doing more colors. does it look like mud. does it? Yes, yes, that's true. But it's closer. It's so close.
5: I, I love this energy. I am waiting for a really good mirror display. For yeah. Oh my god.
6: Guys, Amazon hasn't put USB-C on the Kindle yet. I would I would maybe not get too far ahead of yourself. The most substantial upgrade the Kindle has gotten in six years was a color temperature backlight.
0: Yeah, and that Kindle sucks. Can I just be <laughs> honest with you? I bought a Kindle Oasis for Becky on Prime Day because she's a Kindle addict. Yeah, and I read no reviews. It was just cheap, and I bought her the rose gold one, and I gave it to her, and then like three days later, I was like, do you like your new Kindle? Expecting to like win that conversation and she was like it sucks wow because it has no battery life because of the stupid you got to keep it in the case you gotta keep it in the case, and you gotta turn off the one backlight function they added.
3: Just use it under the sun. It's like a Game Boy Advance from 2001.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, Amazon made 131, 113.1 <laughs> <laughs> billion yeah. in revenue, growing 27 percent year over year. Yeah. None of
3: that was
5: Kindle. No, that- <laughs> they hit their estimates, basic their, their guidance, but um, the, the investor class thought they were going to make way more, and so everyone was very like like sad
0: panda about it. They'll be, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, they're going to be fine. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> My heart goes out for them. Okay. We're, yeah, Amazon made a lot of money. We're taking a break. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about Intel.
1: Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck.
0: Okay, we're back. Haim, you wrote a long piece uh, this week about last summer for Intel that led to all the changes, new CEO, new executive team, new plan. They also had earnings. AMD had earnings. Tell us what's going on.
6: All right. So earnings came first, actually. Earnings were last week. Intel made $18.5 billion, which was half a billion-ish above what they were expecting to make, up 2% year over year. They did fine. AMD made $3.8 billion. Revenue was up 99%. So obviously we're in a little different categories there, but percentage wise, AMD is also doing just fine. But the big thing from Intel wasn't actually earnings. It was on Monday, uh, their new CEO Pat Gelsinger had an event called Accelerating Intel, or or Intel Accelerated, I think, sorry. (laughs) And it was to announce their new Intel Accelerated. It was to preview the next five years of Intel's roadmap. Uh, in terms of their processor architectures and their processor nodes, um, their packaging technology, uh, they also rebranded all of their stuff to make it look like they are not as behind as as they are in some respects. So they they were doing a lot of it is 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 marketing. A lot of it is is damage control from last year's big thing, which is that Intel delayed its seven nanometer, which is now called Intel four. Uh, you can read there's a whole breakdown on the site. But basically, last year Intel was like on their earnings this summer, about a year ago today. Uh, They're like, our next generation ships, which we're supposed to ship at the end of 2021, are not coming until 2023, we messed up a thing in the in making them, uh, and now they're super delayed.
5: Sorry, isn't this like the fifteenth time Intel has said something to that effect? We're gonna the thing that the, the smaller processes, we thought we had it, but no, it turns out it's really hard. We screwed up a thing, it's gonna
6: be longer. Are you referring to the six years it spent trying to get its 10 nanometer chips out the door? <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> they're almost out the door.
6: The 10 nanometer chips are, are mostly out the door. They still have not done it on desktop. Um, that's one of the problems of the desktop chips is that they're now doing like some 10 nanometer stuff on the 14 nanometer scale. There are like some reviews that are like just by last year's. These are not as good because they have fewer cores. So the big thing I wrote this week uh, was kind of taking a look at last summer when everything kind of exploded for Intel and then what they've been doing since. So there are three main things that happened pretty much in the span of a month. Uh, Intel's like Mr. Fix-It chip designer that they had hired, Jim Keller, left the company very, very suddenly. Um, it was for personal reasons. Intel hasn't really given details. Keller hasn't really given details. Well, he's,
3: he's opened his own company since he's, then, hasn't he's, he?
6: No, he's, so he's working on a, on a new company on their board. He usually stays places short, but just to give a little background, he helped Apple design the A series chips, the A four and A five when they first came out. He helped AMD design its Zen architecture, which is what lets what AMD is like currently using to very aggressively compete with Intel. He helped Tesla design its self driving computer chip. Um, he has a really impressive resume for this kind of stuff. Um, and then Intel brought Keller on to run its entire Silicon engineering team in 2018. And he was, like, very much there to get everyone back on track. Um, Literally, like, a month before he left, there was, like, this giant interview in Fortune with him about how, like, Intel was betting everything on Keller. (laughs) 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 And then three and a half weeks after that went up, he left the company. So it may have just been, you know, his time was up. He usually comes in for short times. uh, Unclear. Uh, A couple days after that, Apple announces that it is no longer going to be using Intel processors in its Macs because it wants to let the Mac jump forward so that they can make better products. It was this big, giant sign that said, we do not think your chips are good enough for us. And this was coming after a lot of frustration with Intel in the past. Bloomberg basically reported Apple was frustrated with Intel's roadmap. Um, Cook had noted it in 2019 that, you know, they had issues with supply constraints from Intel stuff. It was not necessarily the vote of confidence or lack thereof that Intel needed um, at this point. Um, while they're in the middle of this big 10 nanometer rollout, they had finally gotten these chips out the door. Mm-hmm. And then the then a couple weeks after that, Intel had to announce that its next generation chips, the 7 nanometer Intel 4, whatever you want to call them, they're probably more on par with TSMC and Samsung's 5 nanometer chips. Um, that's the whole marketing rething.
0: Can we just take a pause there? Again, yeah. the the marketing hustle yeah. to call their seven nanometer Intel four, because the other guys were at five <laughs> nanometers. Incredible, zero percent of people bought it, but yeah. I respect the hustle. Yeah, yeah, it, it's in, the five ge of chips. So
1: <laughs> it's
6: in Intel's defense, they do have some some legs to stand on here. In that all the it all the points are made up, and none of this means anything anyway. There's no if you take. Uh, a 5-nanometer M1 chip that TSMC makes on their 5-nanometer processor, Apple, and you look at it under a really big microscope, there's not a single thing on that chip that's 5 nanometers in size. Uh, these are mm. just, like, approximate terms to indicate jumps. The quote-unquote 5-nanometer known known is for EUV, um, which is, you know, ultraviolet etching technology that they're using. Intel is going to start using that on Intel 4. It's not entirely unfair to say that, it also doesn't change the fact that Intel is still on its ten nanometer, or seven nanometer, whatever you want to call it equivalent, and everyone else is already churning out five nanometer chips and has been for over a year. Or so
3: Well, it hasn't actually turned it out though yet, right? Like it's still way behind.
6: So yeah, Intel, Intel is in the middle of its 10 nanometer, everyone else's seven stage. Like it hasn't gotten there on desktop yet versus, you know. Everybody else is looking at five. You can buy a seven nanometer AMD desktop chip and, and stick it in your gaming computer today if you can find one on a shelf, which I wish you good luck. So <laughs> Intel isn't there yet. And even if they were, everyone else is already on the next thing. Like You can buy a laptop with a five nanometer chip in it. I'm using one right now. So Intel's big thing was, we're going to catch up. They cleared house after that. Their head of engineering, um, Dr, Dr. Murty.
0: We interviewed him. On the we British interviewed him.
6: Uh, he's no longer there. <laughs> uh, he, left, he left right after that announcement was made. They announced shortly after that that CEO Bob Swan, who was previously their chief financial officer, would be leaving. And they replaced him with Pat Gelsinger, who is the current CEO who was Intel's original chief technology officer, it was really a shift back towards getting their leadership uh, on the engineering side of things. They've been rehiring, you know, old, old designers, old hardware people who had since left the company in the last, you know, 10 years of, of delays. Uh, and they have this very ambitious roadmap, which aims to catch up to where everyone else is um, by 2024 and to jump ahead by 2025. And they are doing that by more or less releasing new architecture nodes every year for the next 4 or 5 years which is very
3: ambitious so it's just like a tick 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 tick
6: <laughs> almost it's it's not quite a tick 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 like intel 3 is more of a is more of a talk it still would be based okay. on on the upcoming thing but it's going to be a fairly big jump
0: wait the numbers are going down <laughs> yes the numbers yeah. always
6: go down so the the roadmap is
0: there. Wait, can, there's just a logical endpoint to that plan, right?
3: Oh no! No, tell him, tell him, tell him. About. Okay, I'm uh. I am so glad you asked that. Actually,
6: <laughs> so right now, Intel is on its second generation 10 nanometer tech, which is 10 nanometer superfin. Previously, Intel had a system where they would use pluses, so you had 14 nanometer, 14 nanometer plus, you had 14 nanometer plus plus. Uh, it was not the best system. Uh, it kind of indicates how long the 14 nanometer era went. on. Didn't they get on. to a
3: 14 nanometer plus, plus plus? I think there might have been. I have
6: to double check. Um, <laughs> this is great. So 10 nanometer plus would have been would have been this current the the Tiger Lake stuff, which was renamed to 10 nanometer Superfin to reflect the technology in it. Uh, also, it sounds cooler than 10 nanometer plus. This year's chips were supposed to be 10 nanometer plus plus, the third generation one. It's Alder Lake, which is coming out later this year. And uses some interesting new technology. So that's been renamed to Intel Seven. <laughs> okay, Keep going. So it's, but the lakes
5: are still there, right? It's still
6: yes. So the lakes, <laughs> okay. the lakes are the internal code names. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's coming later this year. Alder Lake. Alder Lake is a big little style chip that uses um, a hybrid, you know, performance core and efficiency core, similar to ARM products that we see. Uh, Intel had released an earlier version of that with the Lake Lakefield chips. This is the second generation of that. It's the third, third generation of its 10-nanometer tech, uh, and that'll be out later this year. So that's Intel 7. Okay. Uh, Formerly known as
3: 10-nanometer Superfin.
6: No, no, no. So 10-nanometer Superfin is now, is Tiger Lake. Okay. Intel 7 is the third generation 10-nanometer, which is Alder Lake. Okay. Uh, coming out at the end of this year. Intel 4 is the what was previously the architecture, the artist previously known as Intel 7 nanometer (laughs) (laughs) is Intel 4, which was originally supposed to be out at the end of 2021 and will now be coming out in early 2023 with Meteor Lake uh, with production starting in the second half of 2022. They've already locked in a few things and there are going to be big jumps with that. Like that's the big jump that Intel's been waiting to do. So they're saying like a 20 percent jump in performance per watt, which is not inconsiderable. And cutting down on overall area of the chip, like it will be a big jump when it comes. Uh, It will feature much a much higher transistor density um, than even TSMC's current five nanometer node. So it will be a very interesting piece of technology when it comes in another year and a half, hopefully.
3: But we're running out of numbers now.
6: We are running out of numbers. Intel three is the second generation of that seven nanometer product. Uh, So it's the second generation of what would have been the seven nanometer one. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is actually also promising uh, a roughly 18 percent increase in performance per watt for Intel four. So it's a talk in that it's a second generation thing, but it will also have a fairly big jump. Uh, Intel is expecting manufacturing in the second half of 2023, and it'll be available in 2024. Probably they haven't put a hard date on that yet. Now, as Neil, I had pointed out, we are running out of numbers here. Um, <laughs> so these numbers are not really standing for anything. You notice they're not Intel 3 nanometer. They're not reclassifying as that yeah. because, again, the numbers as they stand right now don't actually stand for anything. Uh-huh. There's no 5 nanometer or 7 nanometer transistors on these chips. That said, Intel—the next generation after Intel 3 is not Intel 2, but Intel 20A.
0: Which yes. <laughs> yes. letter.
6: <laughs> we had—we really had to lay down the groundwork. So let me let me give you a bit of an explanation here. So the 20A. Intel 20A is meant to evoke the Angstrom era of semiconductor design. What? Oh, I
5: love it so much.
6: So Angstrom is a unit of measurement that is smaller than a nanometer. Um, So 20 Angstrom is equivalent to two nanometers. Now, this is not a two nanometer scale thing, nor is it standing for 20 Angstrom. It is just meant to evoke that. (laughs) So it's a lot With the A. No, you know
5: what? Anytime a company just jumps its numbering system to 20, you know that they've given up. Samsung did this with the <laughs> S20. They're like, you know what? Whatever. It's 20 now. We know it will always be bigger than the iPhone
0: number.
6: Yeah. yeah. All joking aside, though, this is probably going to be the biggest jump in Intel's chips in like 25 years. In like.
0: But it's going to happen 25 years from now. Yeah. Not yeah.
6: 25 years. In like, in like 10, 15 years, um, it's their first new transistor architecture since FinFET, which is the basic technology that every major transistor has been using since 2011. So this is yeah. the next really big jump forward. Uh, they're using something called RibbonFET, um, which is an all-gate all-around transistor. It allows for a lot greater transistor density, smaller sizes. Um, they're doing a lot of interesting stuff, technically, or are planning on it. Um, it'll be out sometime in 2024 or 2025, hopefully. Uh, ramping is 2024. It'll probably be in hardware you can buy in 2025, hopefully, assuming that none of the delays that have plagued the company for the last ten years pop up.
0: Wait, 20A. I just want to come back to A. this. 20A. 20 A is 20 angstroms or two nanometers. Yeah. That number still has to come down. Indeed it does. You don't want to go to 30A.
6: So the generation after that is 18A, which is the farthest yes. piece of the roadmap. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is the Vegas thing. So it's the second generation that'll use that ribbon-fet technology. Uh, it is in development for early 2025 is the only thing Intel gave. At this point, we don't have hard numbers anymore for for improvements that it's expecting in performance per watt. Um, and 18a is the most important piece because that is the part where Intel says that it will be back at the head of the pack. So <laughs> all of this all of this was to say that Intel is not ahead right now. Like as a fact right now, Intel does not make the most technically advanced chips on the planet. And it expects to be making that again when 18A comes out in 2025,
0: 2026-ish. Okay. What's smaller than an angstrom? So smaller than an
6: angstrom, I'm so glad you asked this. The angstrom is not actually a scientific, uh, it's not an SI unit. Um, (laughs) It is an alternative unit. It's imperial. It's an imperial unit. One angstrom is 0.1 nanometers, but the metric scale generally only goes uh, in units of three. So we go million, which is, you know, three billion, which is another three digits. So the next thing down is pico, picometer, but we're probably a ways away from having to use
3: that. Yeah. And Intel's even
0: further. But somewhere on the Intel chart, they're like, 20p is coming. 20p might be coming. Uh, Yes.
3: Before the heat death of the universe. They
0: should have just been like 200p. And then just like given themselves all of the numbers in between. Yeah. Yeah. Look, when they switch to measuring things in Angstroms,
5: I also think they need to get rid of lakes and switch to ponds. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. We got to end this. (laughs) Every time you're on the show, I'm like, explain the USB version numbers. (laughs) or explain Intel's naming <laughs> scheme, And it's always so much more complicated than you could possibly imagine. And that's and that's why I appreciate you. <laughs> I, I apologize
6: to, to everyone for this.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Well, Haim is very much on the, the chip beat lately. If you're listening to this and you, you're you the person in Intel in charge of picking Angstroms, uh, just email Haim, because I, many questions are coming your way. Uh, OK, we're going to take one more break, and we got it. Dude, we have a lot of gadgets to talk about. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back.
4: Support for this podcast comes from constant contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need constant contact. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
1: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropG pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG pod wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We're back. Dieter, what what gadgets do you want to start with? I want to start with the Huawei P50, which is
5: launching for real. It's got Harmony OS, because in an alternate universe where this thing didn't have Harmony OS, this would be the phone of like the fall, right? There, you know, iPhone is probably on some sort of S cycle, whatever number they give it. Samsung's going to make another Samsung phone, you know. Google's going to try for the Pixel, you know, like all the stuff, but like. Up until the ban, Huawei was like gunning for Samsung in like major markets, and they were they were the they were, that was the competition. It was Samsung versus Huawei, and then that just whoosh, is gone. So this phone, the P50 and the P50 f- Pro, is like from an alternate universe. You know, I'm it, I'm sure it will do fine in China. Um, you know, we've already talked about Harmony OS and how it's it's not Android, but it's Android, and you know the cameras look ridiculous. I love how giant these uh, you know, camera modules are in the back of the phone. And they've had to like Huawei's in such a bad spot. One of the quotes here is like 5G phones are beyond our reach. We have to go with 4G by removing the 5G module from our chip design again because of stuff. <laughs> yep. uh, and so that's I don't I, I'm I'm waving my hand at stuff a lot. So that's kind of what I have to say about this phone. Is like I would love for this to have been the phone that Makes like put Samsung on notice that like is taking on the Ultra in a more serious way. Like it would have been a huge clash of the titans, and instead, it's um it's an interesting side note. Yeah, I mean that's what the, I got to say about the P50.
0: The Harmony OS thing is like we'll see, right? Like, yeah, if you're Samsung, you're watching to see if Huawei can peel off from Android, right? And actually pull it off, yeah, because that indicates that maybe you could do the same thing, which right. is like the big back and forth historical tension with Google.
5: Yeah. Well, and so the other thing I guess to pay attention to is can can they get an app ecosystem going? Uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, Android compatible there, can they get a store going? Uh, will people actually use and update that, their apps on that store? Because uh, there's like, there's maybe a little bit of Android store competition potentially happening because, you know, the Amazon app store is going to show up on Windows now when Windows runs Android apps. Huawei is going to be doing this thing on Harmony. Um, it may be that that could be another interesting like sideways thing that this does. I just I don't want to give it that much credit quite yet. But I think you're right that Samsung is paying
6: attention to that. Can this run the Amazon App Store for the same stuff? You know, I
5: have no idea. If you were to just like sideload the Amazon App Store on Harmony OS, would it just like happen to work? I bet it would just happen to work. i just,
3: yeah.
0: But like, <laughs> no, no one do. like no one <laughs> but no,
3: do it. But no, how many people in america are going to be buying this like this zero
0: people is, <laughs> zero people well, Dieter marquez
3: come yeah on. <laughs> two people are going to be buying it everybody else is going to be buying it in china where it'll probably do really well because Huawei is like yeah huge there no this yeah. is this
5: is explicitly for the chinese market like to be yeah. clear, i'm just saying that like in an alternate universe it would have been for the world
0: and it, actually you know we just talked we talked about apple's earnings like apple's biggest market is china Yep. So in a very real way, the P50 is Apple's biggest com- competition. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, they are paying true. a lot of attention yeah. to this phone. Yeah.
3: And I think you already are seeing, like, in China, like, their own app stores are really popular already. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's kind of gotten used to having their own app stores, and you just go put your app on all 12 different stores for all 40 different products out there. So it feels like this is probably going to do just fine in China. Although the five G thing is really weird.
6: The five G thing, yeah, we were just we were just talking about that.
3: That's a big point of contention here in the United States.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll see. I, the, yeah. it just reminded me that the last time Apple had one of its like deep dive camera meetings, they talked about Huawei way more than I expected, and oh, this all just brought it full circle for me, right? Because that's who they are competing with. Like, yeah. they care a lot about Samsung. They care a lot yeah. about the Pixel. In one of their biggest markets, if not the biggest market, quarter to quarter, yeah, it's it's Huawei. Well, yeah. and, and not for nothing, it may be that the
5: Chinese government dis, like has a vested interest in seeing some success of Harmony OS and wants to do what it can to support it. And so that could also be a reason that it could be successful in some way. Um, and they won't just default back to Android if they're ever allowed to again. Um, and that that could also create weird pressures on Samsung and Google.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, because Huawei is very friendly already. Like.
0: <laughs> they, you're gonna get an email from Huawei. I'm yeah. about to get an Sorry. email. They, they right. don't like it when you say that, but uh-huh. it, they are very friendly. Lots of other gadgets. Oppo Watch Two in China. Dieter, another. This is like another Dieter special. I mean, is it? Sure.
5: I mean, it's look. It's it's running a you know the sort of same whatever OS we you know have been seeing out of uh, Oppo for its watches. It would it would be very interesting if this thing ran you know a more standard <laughs> OS. It looks fine, but I it's again it just it solidifies for me that the wearable accessory market for Android users is just the most depressing thing at the, in this precise moment. You can yeah. like, you can get a Fitbit, you can get yeah. a bad Wear OS watch, and the Wear OS watch like upgrade story is a fiasco. Don't buy a Wear OS watch right now. Just. Do not. A very a perishingly small number of them are even going to be upgradable, and that upgrade process requires a hard reset. <laughs> and, like, you just got to start Woo-hoo. over from scratch. Um, Fossil is releasing watches this fall that will be upgradable, but they're not going to launch with Wear OS 3. Oh We're expecting Samsung to announce some Wear OS 3 watches imminently, of course. But, you know, like, if, if you treat these watches as, I don't want to say disposable, but, like, if with all of these watches, the Apple Watch 2 included— You should just assume that what it does out of the box is what it does, period. Uh, And if what it does out of the box is good, like long battery life keeps time, (laughs) counts steps decently (laughs) or at least halfway decently well, then, you know, more power to you. Happy you you got something that does what it said it would do out of the box. But do not expect it to be like a platform that you install apps and like it gains new capabilities
0: over time. Not right now. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what this Wear OS 3 stuff looks like. Obviously, Google and Samsung, I mean, they got their asses kicked to come together in a way that you just wouldn't expect, historically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll see. Alex, tell us about these Nothing Earbuds, which feel like they also came out of nowhere and were like a hype supernova this week.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've been hearing about them sort of for a while now, which is really annoying because the name is Nothing. And Mm -hmm. I just keep being like, oh, what? Like... There's just so many puns, like it's just inviting them. But new new earbuds, they they look a lot like an AirPod Pro, but I think nicer. I personally like them. I like. I think I they, think they look, look really cool. cool. Yeah, they look cool as hell. Yeah. Uh, but they're only a hundred dollars instead of two hundred and fifty dollars. But that also means, you know, you can't lose that much money and expect them to have the same quality. Like that just doesn't exist. So so the big issue I think is that like the noise cancellation kind of sucks on them and and they're buggy as hell yeah yeah the the software is just like not not great it could be better but they look cool and they got wireless charging and you don't have to like spend extra for that and they're a hundred dollars yeah that's I I think that's neat that is not nothing it is not nothing right, I gotta go now see you later
0: Like if, if that made me groan, you know it's bad. <laughs> I just want to. Do you think these are going to become like the default Android buds, right? Because they like have the look. I don't. They like, have a
6: look. I think it's a problem for Google if these become the default Android buds. Is it Google or Samsung? Like nobody. Google or Samsung, both of whom sell earbuds that uh, are okay.
5: Uh, Samsung's buds are really pretty solid defaults. Although I will say that I bought the buds Pro this week and uh, just completely broken within a day wow. like the noise cancellation on one of the buds is just like we're just going to make some static noise now um so those are going back um but they're like the, the regular buds plus like as far as like lowest common denominator you trust them to last a long time and sound decent and like not just be broken they're great i love them so samsung i think for android users is like probably like the the you know, one of the—I mean, there's a bunch. People like the Jabra's. People like uh, a bunch of a bunch of the other ones. But this could be like the default cool one for at least a hot minute.
3: Yeah, but like for Android users. For Android, but like
5: Bluetooth headphones are a huge business now. Yeah, apparently, like they yeah. make a ton of money for Apple. So it's it's I, I when nothing came out. Like we're, the first thing we're going to make are our Bluetooth headphones. We're all like, ugh. But actually, maybe yeah. that's just that's where the money is. Like you.
6: But also, you have to you have to for these to become like the next default for Android users, they have to find them. Like these are sold right now through Nothing's website. You're not you're not rolling up in a Best Buy and and deciding between these and a Samsung. You can't. See, they're not on Amazon or, or
3: Well, I mean, they're trying to like replicate that OnePlus thing, right? Where where all the <laughs> that Android users
6: that's super
0: successful OnePlus yeah. strategy. <laughs> I was about to say.
6: I was about to say this feels this feels a lot like OnePlus, which is not not like a retail success it has not broken through the phone market and and unseated Samsung or, or It'll be
0: really popular with Android influencers. It's very hard to unseat Samsung even if you make a better phone than Samsung which you could argue that OnePlus did in some ways. Yep. Yeah. You've got to yeah. get the carrier deal. Like there's just a million steps between you and selling a thing. There's right. just like other yeah. suits show up and demand whatever concessions, um, they are just, like, made some headphones. And, like, there's a huge market of Android users, and you could just sell cool headphones to them.
3: Yeah, if you put these in Best Buy, I feel like they would do
0: amazingly well. Yeah. Well, they got to finish them first because yeah. they're very broken. <laughs> they have to make that.
5: I mean, the trick here to me is, like, make earbuds that kind of are cool because AirPods had a moment of, like, being cool, but now they're just kind of boring default. Yeah. I can't think of any other earbuds. I'm like, oh, yeah, those look cool. They all look terrible.
6: Beats, Beats used to be cool before Apple owned them. <laughs> but
3: not the earbuds.
5: But those are headphones. I'm talking about, like, yeah.
6: earbuds.
3: Yeah. Yeah, earbuds, like, you've got the Bose, which are giant satellites on your ears. Yeah. And you've got, like, you've got, what, the the beans, the Samsung beans. <laughs> those are...
0: They didn't call them beans, man. This is, very, this is a dicey area on this show. <laughs> I'm
3: just going to get wrecked. They're
0: definitely <laughs> beans.
3: <laughs> but they do... I mean, those look cool. And, yeah, I, like... These look neat. These look like so. These look like the next step in that Apple design, which we can all admit was probably really, really good.
0: Have you been watching? No. If you watch the Olympics, just watching athletes not care for their AirPods is incredible. Like I was watching swimming last night, and like dudes are just like pulling their AirPods out, and just like throwing them loose in their pockets. Oh my god! <laughs> and I was like, ah, <laughs> I'm like freaking out. Just a full on horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh but that's like that kind of marketing is impossible to to like overcome, right like everyone yeah. has them; they're ubiquitous, they're white, people see them. Nothing has long robe. but it's it's cool to see uh, that kind of competition in a way that you know Verizon isn't involved in this transaction. Right?
3: Yeah, I like the little pop of color. I like like the 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 mm-hmm. metal elements of it. It's just they just look neat.: Well Hey, I want to
5: talk about these LG earbuds real quick. Speaking so of they have this thing called whisper mode, um, where you can take the right one out and then hold it up to your mouth and whisper into it, and then it will like that will just work. It'll become like a dedicated microphone. So instead of being an earbud, it turns into a microphone.
0: LG product designers <laughs> been watching a lot of TikTok. Right? That's what I'm like... saying.
5: Like everybody on TikTok is like holding up their little microphone from their wired headphones up their mouth, and now you can just do
0: it with a Bluetooth headphone. It's amazing. It's I love so, it. It's so dumb. It's great. <laughs> It is great. It's just very funny that they had to brand it as whispering mode instead of like TikTok yelling mode. Yeah. Yeah. TikTok rant mode. It's real good. Last few things. I mentioned the Olympics. Katie Keck, our new stream reporter, has a great piece on how hard it is to stream the Olympics. Disclosure Comcast, NBC Universal, investors of Vox Media, owner of The Verge, whatever. Nothing about this piece suggests that they were. Please with us. It is very hard to stream the Olympics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ridiculously hard. It is. And then, uh, you're like, Peacock is a mess. The best thing to do, the best way to do it is to have cable and then use the NBC Sports app. But even that app is terrible. He didn't say it was a good way. He said it was the best way. <laughs> You've got a number of bad options, and your best one is the NBC Sports app. The thing that I, is, poor Katie. <laughs> I was like, here's what I'm mad about. NHK, which is like the most advanced broadcaster in the world. Right. is producing the games in Tokyo. NHK uh-huh. is a Japanese broadcaster. 200 hours of it are on 8K. They're just, like, way ahead of the curve. And if you have yeah. an 8K TV, you can actually watch it in 8K on NHK in Japan. NBC taking the 1080p feeds and upscaling them to 4K in the United States. Amazing. Like, what are we doing, guys? Just it's dropping the ball. Um, and it's very hard to get those 4K feeds. You, either, you have to live in basically one of 50 cities in the United States. It's uh, it's very messy, and I don't like it. That said, if I if I was able to watch the swimmers take the AirPods out loose and just like toss them out in higher resolution, like I might be dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, uh, it seems like a giant infrastructure deal is going to go through Congress with sixty-five billion uh, for broadband and a bunch of other stuff, including charging infrastructure for EVs. Has not passed yet, but it's coming. That's going to be a big story for us in the, in the coming week. And then I. I feel like I end every episode of the show by updating on the calamity of the T-Mobile Sprint Dish Network deal. <laughs> so <laughs> stupid. Dish, I, I mentioned this last week, Dish we signed did. a big deal with AT&T. Yep. And now, to, to because T-Mobile was supposed to provide them with service, but they suck at it. So Dish left, and now T-Mobile is launching a competitive prepaid service. To get back all the customers, it's sold to DISH as part of this deal with Boost Network. Yep. None of this worked. I just, like, it didn't work. We, we tried to design some overly complicated system, and now I have to know the phrase ORAN, Open Radio Access Network. That's yep. like, a thing I have to know about now. Mm-hmm. We have to pay attention to the MVNO contracts of AT&T, T-Mobile, and DISH. Yep. And there's only three carriers in America. So here's my question about this Uh, Was this T Mobile's secret evil plan all along?
5: A. Yes. It's like very clearly, yes. But what? (laughs) But I have a a different theory. What if it wasn't? They had good intentions or like, you know, non completely evil intentions. And um, the deal was complicated enough. And it was so obvious that like no one was paying attention that they just like forgot the deal was there. And so some random marketer somewhere inside the T Mobile. Goliath. I was oh. like, you know what'd be cool is if we made a deal, and then they like they created the deal and put it out there, and forgot that they had promised never to do that. They just like didn't occur to them that there was a thing because it was so they were so unafraid of it having the, an actual force of law that it didn't like there was no memo sent out to the company saying hey, don't do this stuff.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, big companies are, are messy and dumb, but yeah. I just remember when they they had all these press conferences when they announced the T-Mobile and Sprint deal, and like. That was when John Ledger was still the CEO and Mike yeah. Siebert was there. And like people would ask John Ledger, like, are you, are you going to support dish? And he'd be like, they can figure it out. Then <laughs> he would smile, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. cause he's always sm- like, he was, he knew what was going to happen. Yeah. John Ledger, very clever man. And he, I think it's fair to say he was smarter than the clowns at the FCC <laughs> and FTC that created this nightmare of a deal. And now I have to know what O-Ran is. And so do you, because you listen to the Vergecast. I just, we're going to keep tracking it. It's just like in the background of, of everything. It is just true that we went from four national carriers to three. Yeah. And somewhere over there, Dish Network is attempting to set up something called Project Genesis, spelled with a five in the word <laughs> Genesis. I think it's important to pay attention to. I just think it is also tiresome and annoying. Yeah. Very, I'm still upset about this. Okay. Last thing there's a lot of news coming out of Activision Blizzard. Horrible working conditions at a the company. There's a lawsuit from the state of California. There was a walkout. Zoe Schiffer went to that walkout. We have a story about that. Polygon is doing a great job covering that story. We're going to dip in and out of it. It's not 100% our world, but we're going to do some coverage. But if you're interested in it, Polygon is doing a lot of coverage. Uh, and Chris Plant, the editor of Polygon, and I have been talking about the best ways to cover it. So, Check out Polygon, check out Zoe's story. That thing is going to keep building, and I think a lot of change is coming to the gaming industry because of this story. Um, I just want to call it out. It's important we didn't talk about it too much. On this episode, I get the sense we'll be talking about it a lot in the future. That's it. We did under an hour and a half. I was expecting to go, like, when we were, like, deep in app learnings, I was like, oh, man, five-hour Vergecast. We did it. I'm proud of all of you. I'm proud of you. Especially Haim. When I think of Haim, I'm like, Haim 20A. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you can tweet at us. I'm at reckless Dieter's at Backlon. Alex is Alex H Kranz with a Z. Heim is C Gartenberg on decoder this week. We had Chuck Todd from NBC news. So you can Peacock. He's launching a bunch of shows on Peacock. That was a really interesting conversation next week. Neil Mohan, the chief product officer of YouTube. Alan's going to be spicy. That's my promise to you. And then we'll be back on Friday with the rich That's it. Thank you so much. Rock and roll. Please, please get a vaccine.
1: It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva Presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva Presentations at Canva.com, designed for work.
4: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals.